Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our study of 1 Corinthians with the beginning of chapter 14. The early church in Corinth had a preoccupation with speaking in tongues. It was a divisive issue in the church, which included introducing aberrant doctrine. So the Apostle Paul dealt with it head-on in this letter. The same issue arose in evangelical churches in America and then around the world, mainly since the mid-1960s. Please listen to Pastor Jim as he presents today's slice of this week's message entitled, Tongues and the Church. Now, as we turn to our studies in 1 Corinthians, we're going to arrive at chapter 14 tonight and take off a pretty big chunk, 14, 1 through 19. So let's bow for prayer as we begin. Father, again, how we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit who inspired your word, and he is the one who teaches us as well. Please bless our time together in your word tonight. May we understand uh, precisely, may we obey joyfully, and may we be instruments of your grace to all around us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, I should get my pastor hand slapped for forgetting to call your attention to this other slide before I started 1 Corinthians. Make sure that you understand about uh, giving during the isolation time. You can mail uh, contributions to Heritage Bible Church, or you can go to our special account at uh, donorbox.org, and it's there on the screen. You can probably find us pretty easily. Now, we're going to continue on in 1 Corinthians. We're taking our time a little bit now that I don't have to finish 1 Corinthians in two weeks so that I can head off to Russia to teach it there. That's going to happen, uh, I think, probably a year from now. We'll see how that actually unfolds. So we're taking a little bit of extra time, and we've come through chapter 12 and chapter 13, the first, of, the first two of the three chapters that deal specifically with spiritual gifts. When you get to chapter 14, it majors on the gift of tongues. The early church at Corinth had a preoccupation with this gift of speaking in tongues. It was a divisive issue in that church. So it, it had come to include some at least frayed, if not aberrant, doctrine. So the Apostle Paul dealt with it head on in this letter. Now, this is particularly relevant to us because this very same issue arose in evangelical churches in America and then quickly spread around the world, mainly since the mid-1960s. That's when the modern charismatic movement began in the Los Angeles area and spread quickly from there. That was when people other than members of the traditional Pentecostal and Assemblies of God denominations began manifesting what you now know is ecstatic speech. 
and they believe that it is the biblical gift of tongues. You know, from the end of the era of the apostles until 1901 in the Azusa Street Revival, also in the Los Angeles area, the church throughout the centuries understood that the gift of tongues was the ability to speak in languages unlearned by the one who is speaking. The phenomenon called ecstatic speech is non-language, and it was confined to several cults, but not among Christians, at least not in any significant numbers. In 1901, modern Pentecostalism was born, and then in 1962, these phenomena spilled over from within Pentecostal circles into other groups, and it was hailed as a new outpouring or a new working of the Holy Spirit for this age. Now, I lived and ministered through that era when the charismatic movement began to split church after church in its first, oh, say, 20 years or so. It's amazing how the the chapter that we enter today has been twisted in these last 40 or 50 years to allegedly support the exact opposite of what it teaches. Now, this is not necessarily a minor issue. Now, I understand there are gospel-believing, gospel-preaching, born-again brothers and sisters in Christ who practice ecstatic speech, and we have a significant difference of opinion over whether that is the biblical gift of tongues or not. But it's not just a secondary issue. It even affects the doctrine of salvation. And I want to show you some examples. I'm going to do something unusual in how much I quote other people in this uh, study tonight, but I want you to see this. For example, consider the constitution of the Assemblies of God denomination. Here's an expert, uh, an excerpt, not an expert, an excerpt. <laughs> the baptism of believers in the Holy Ghost is witnessed by the initial physical sign of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives them utterance. Now, that means that within the assemblies of God, you are not regarded as possessing the Holy Spirit unless and until and only if you have spoken in what they call tongues or ecstatic speech. Meanwhile, the the declaration of faith of the church of God, another denomination with a couple of different uh, branches, and again, some wonderful gospel-believing people in that group, but their declaration of faith says, quote, we believe in speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance and that it is the initial evidence of the Holy Ghost. So you've not received the Holy Spirit unless you have done this according to that teaching. So that's why I say this isn't just a secondary issue. It's not just a minor matter of a difference of opinion. Those two denominational statements are believed by thousands of Christians, even though they openly contradict what we learned already in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Chapter 12, verse 13 says, Every believer is baptized into one body by the Holy Spirit, but, chapter 12, verse 30, not every believer speaks in tongues. 
So to say you don't have the Holy Spirit unless you've spoken in tongues does not fit what 1 Corinthians 12 says. And further, we know there is no such thing as a Christian without the Holy Spirit, Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. If you don't have the Spirit, you don't belong to Christ. Now, the modern preoccupation with tongues actually goes even further than that. Uh, Here's a quote from an article that originated in the Yale Christian Fellowship quite some years ago. It was in the early days of the charismatic movement. Um, And it also contradicts 1 Corinthians chapter 14. The author of this is a gentleman named Robert B. Morris. I don't know him, but I want to make sure I give credit accurately. He says, quote, From speaking in tongues, I have also sensed very definitely a literal physical power and resiliency to meet the tasks of daily life, unquote. Now, I know people who say that very same thing about caffeine, the very same thing about uh, energy drinks, but he attributes it to the speaking in tongues. Now, commenting on that testimony, another writer by the name of John L. Sherrill, who eventually wrote a book about it, he says, referring to what Mr. Morris said, this added physical strength and resiliency was another purpose of tongues noted by St. Paul. The man who speaks in tongues, Paul wrote, edifies himself or builds himself up. Now, I think you're going to have a really hard time finding in 1 Corinthians 12 or 14 that edifies himself means you gain physical strength by speaking in tongues. That completely twists the meaning of the word edifies. And it states the case as, excuse me, as if the Apostle Paul advocated self-edification when in fact he says that's the wrong thing to do. Now, continuing in the flow of thought about physical strength from speaking in tongues, which was actually not languages, it was ecstatic speech, a 75-year-old Episcopal priest, still in that same string of thinking and commenting on the same things, he wrote this back in that same time frame, the early charismatic movement. He said, when I started praying in tongues, I felt, and people told me, I looked 20 years younger. Now, if you're seeing me on a camera tonight, you know I don't have that phenomenon going on. I'm sorry, I don't mean to make fun, but it's just, it's just hard to read these things with a straight face and believe that people are serious about this. Back to the quote. He says, my, conscience, my conscious mind does not know what I am saying, but my unconscious and subconscious undoubtedly does. For the thing that happens is just what St. Paul said would happen. He who prays in an unknown tongue edifies himself. I am built up, given joy, courage, peace, the sense of God's presence, and I happen to be a weak personality who needs this. Now, I would also point out he has inserted there absolutely anti-biblical terminology when he says, my uh, unconscious and subconscious minds, those are Freudian constructs, absolutely unknown to anything to do with the doctrine of man in the Bible. So you have a, a mixture here of things. So like I said, it's not just a, a, a slight matter of a difference of opinion among Christians, though it can be that. It is more serious. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.